Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise this morning. I guess the kids could start getting dismissed. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to continue our sermon series, A Cross-Shaped Life. Amen. How many have been enjoying this uh, cross-shaped life? We've been learning of how to walk like Jesus taught us to walk. Today, we are going to be uh, teaching and talking about a cross-shaped parent. Amen. A cross-shaped parent. And... Um, you know, one of the things about our community and about our church is, is that the majority, maybe about 90% of the parents that are within our church are single parents. They're single parents. Somebody is missing in the home. If I'm going to be extremely honest, it's really single mothers within our church. There's not a lot of men uh, present within children's lives, which... Me being a man and me being a father, and I am present, I have to let you know, especially if they're listening in the audio or maybe they're going to be uh, listening to this later on on Facebook or whatever, is it is our responsibility as men to take responsibility for children. Amen? All the women should say amen. Amen. And so... Uh, and the reason why I say that, it's not because a woman can't do it, because it's already been proven that a woman could do it without a man, right? Is that they shouldn't do it. They shouldn't do it without a partner. They shouldn't do it without a man. And it is, uh, whenever I see a man that, that is trying to, like, uh, run away from his responsibilities purposely and uh, not trying to take, take, uh, take care of his children, one of the things that I really really uh, do is uh, I really try to pray for the children because statistic-wise, when a father is not present, whether it's a daughter or a son, it is a big deal. I believe it's about over 80%, 70 to 80% of the people that are in jail do not have a father in their life. Amen? And, um, And so this message is not about fathers and stuff like that. It's about parenting But I wanted to go ahead and say that because it is so important that men rise up. Now, now if you look at our church, the majority of the people that come to our church are women, which is another problem that I have, right? Because it should be the man that should bring their family to the house of God. There's nothing wrong with a mother or a woman doing it, but it should be the man. Do you know that if a man brings their family, it is like 85% that the entire family continues to serve Jesus. If a woman or the, or the mom brings the family, that statistic goes down to like 50%. I don't know why that's the case, but those are facts. And I wanted to start off this message to kind of challenge men to be men. Right? To be the man of God that God has called you to do. To be the leader that God has called you to do. Yes, it's fun laying with a woman and creating a baby and a human being. But my friend, God has called you to take care of that family. Not only financially, right? Not only emotionally, 
but also spiritually. Can somebody say amen? And in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, we're going to see a little bit of a story about Abraham and Sarah. And we're going to see a little bit about Abraham being a father. But look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. It says this, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Now, let me just pause for a little bit. This is a, 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 most likely Abraham was Jewish, right? This is the wife telling Abraham, go sleep with my servant. Now, we all know that if she was Hispanic or maybe African-American, this story would have never happened. Come on, somebody. Because there ain't no way that a Puerto Rican, a Mexican, African-American will let their husband sleep with their servant. It's just not going to happen. And everybody could say amen to that. But let's keep on going with the story. All right, so uh, it says Abraham agreed. Of course he agreed. Of course he agreed, right, to Sarai's proposal. Notice that he never argued about it. He did nothing. Of course he agreed, right? Verse 3 says, so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, uh, she began to treat her mistress, which is Sarai, um, with contempt. Let's jump down to verse 11, and then we'll go ahead and pray. And it says this, and the angel of the Lord said, and the angel of the Lord also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you are going to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress, and the son of your, this son of yours will be a wild man, an untamed and wild donkey, and he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Does anybody have any children like that? I do. Amen. So uh, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. That's powerful. You are the God who sees me. And she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that, that well was named Bar uh, Elroy, you try to say that, which means well of living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barid. So Father, I pray God that this word will begin to impact people's hearts and impact people's lives, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, as we continue to live a cross-shaped life, God, that you would be on this message for every single parent in the room. And I pray, God, that every single parent, God, will raise children, God, to be disciples of you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I was putting this message together, I came across a story about... Uh, about uh, somewhere in Africa, there were some elephants, right? And uh, there was a whole herd of elephants, and they were just causing havoc in the town, right? They were loud. They were untamed. They had no control. And there, were, there was a few scientists that came to check why were these elephants acting so crazy. They were acting nuts. And what the scientists discovered is that all the elephants were teenagers. There was not one adult or parent in the herd. 
And so what they did, they came up with an idea to find an adult, right? Preferably being a parent, right? And they brought those elephants into the herd. And all of a sudden, the adults, they started making noises and the, the trunk started going up and down for days. But what they realized and what they discovered that as the male and the female, actually it was just male for the story, but I'm pretty sure it would happen with male, but as, as the adult elephants would begin to make all these noises, all of a sudden the chaos stopped. The chaos stopped. And what am I trying to say with this story? What I'm trying to say is this, is that when there isn't godly parenting with inside of the home, chaos happens. But when there is godly parenting inside of the home, everything begins to get in order. And I'm not saying that it's going to get perfect. But everything, when you have godly guidance, when the Holy Spirit is the person that is influencing your parenting, my friend, all of a sudden, those things that should be going crazy and those things that should be going nuts with inside of your children, all of a sudden, God begins to put everything in order. Can somebody say amen? One of the things that we see, right, in society is, is a lot of chaos, specifically in the hood, right? And we are in a neighborhood that some might call the hood. And if you really discover certain people and you start talking to certain people and you start asking them, why is it that you act this way? Why are you addicted to drugs? And why do you not treat women right? Or why do you treat people like this? And why are you so violent? The majority of the people have at least one parent missing within inside of their life. At least. And most of the time, is a father. And this is why so many times in relationships, we don't know how to relate with each other because we have never seen it. We have never seen what it looks like for a man to truly love another woman and to stay faithful to her. We have never seen a healthy relationship. All we have seen, and I'm speaking from personal experience, is violence and this dysfunction and arguing and we think and we grow up thinking that that is normal. We start thinking that chaos is normal, but my friend, it is not normal. It is the result of sin. It is a result of parents not really seeking God for their children and seeking God for themselves. And my friend, when that happens, things begin to get really wild. And chaotic. Going back to the story in Genesis chapter 16, there are a few things that we see here in the story. The first thing that we see with the relationship between Abram and Sarai, which eventually their names begin to change from Abraham to Sarah, and there's a whole other teaching about that, right? But one of the things that you begin to see is that that family begins to move ahead of God. What begins to happen, right? The wife, Sarah, begins to tell Abram, listen, we're trying to get pregnant and we're trying to have children because the Lord has promised us that he was going to bless us with a child and it's not happening. And she begins to turn to herself and she begins to say, the Lord is not blessing me with a child. So so she starts saying, hey, listen, why don't you sleep with my servant? And maybe she could bear children for us. And my friend, that is so dangerous. Why? Because we all know that when you begin to sleep with somebody that is not your wife or your husband, chaos happens. Right? 
And this is her moving ahead of God, right? Because eventually, as you keep on reading the story, God eventually blesses her to get pregnant and she begins to have a child. My friend, it is not within our time for us to do things away from God's will. No, we have to wait for what God has in store. And when we don't, and when we begin to move ahead of God, my friend, all kinds of things begin to happen. So what is the consequence? Look at Genesis chapter 4, chapter 16, verse 4. It says, so Abraham's sexual relationships with Hagar, and we all know, of course he did. Especially when his wife said that he could. So Abraham has sexual relationships with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, what happened? She began to treat Sarai, her mistress, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abraham, well, the, the, the audacity. This is your fault. It wasn't even his idea. Can you believe that? Yo, this is your fault. Watch this. I put my servant into your hands, but now she's pregnant, and now she treats me with contempt, and the Lord will show you who's wrong. You or me. We all know who's wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So watch this. The relationship between Sarah and her, ser uh, her servant, Hagar, what happened? What does contempt mean? It means dishonor. Right? Because any time you try to do something out of selfish ambition, the result is going to be contempt. The result is going to be dishonor. What, what does that mean? That means sooner or later within the relationship, somebody is going to feel offended. Why? Because you moved ahead of God. And notice, notice they moved ahead of God trying to have a child. And so many times people in relationships, they, they, they begin to think, hey, let's have a child. And because it's a child, the Lord is going to understand. No, my friend, even when you are bringing a child within the mix, God only understands his time. God only understands his word. And because they moved ahead of God, there was dishonor. You know, another word for contempt means trifling. Has anybody ever seen some trifling people in their life? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And that was a trifling situation. That was a trifling circumstance. That was a trifling uh, act. You know, Abraham was, was supposed to be a man of God. He obviously knew that that was wrong. He was trifling for that. But that is what happens when we move ahead of God. We begin to get into some trifling situations. Can somebody say amen? So here's the other thing. We see that the consequence of moving ahead of God. And here's another thing that we see from the story is that God's reaction to a single mother. Because, you know, Hagar, in essence, became a single mother. There was no support for her. There was nobody trying to take care of her. Look at, where, look at what chapter 16, verse 11 says. It says, and the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you will name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your distress and cry. Well, of course she's in distress. She didn't ask to be in that kind of situation. 
Back in the day when you were serving, you did what your master told you to do. She didn't have a choice. And no wonder she had an attitude towards Sarai. She didn't want to do what she wished to do. She, she found herself doing. But then she finds herself pregnant with something that she doesn't even want. And I'm pretty sure there are some single mothers in the house that have felt this way. You have felt the stress. You have felt the anguish of not having the partner that was there to make the baby. And now you find yourself where Hagar finds herself, alone, in distress, crying out to God. And so many times as single parents, we feel like God is not hearing it and God is not opening doors. And so many times we think that God is favoring somebody else uh, in spite of us. But no, my friend, the Bible says that the angel says, listen, I know that you're pregnant. And the child that you had within your body, you should call him Ishmael. And she probably said, why should I call him Ishmael? And the angel will, will probably say, because God has heard your prayer. Isn't that powerful? So when she gives birth to Ishmael, every time she sees her son, she is reminded that God is listening to everything that is coming out of her mouth. Every time he falls, she notices Ishmael, and she is reminded that God still hears her prayer, even though she is a single parent. And that should be some good news for us, isn't it? And even though our partner has left us. And even though we find ourselves in a lonely place, God has not left us and God has not forsaken us. He still is hearing your cry. But you know, it doesn't stop there, right? In verse 13, it says this, it says, Therefore Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. And she says, who had spoken to her, she said, you are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. Which is so powerful because not only is God hearing you, because I don't know about you, I've talked to people that are hearing me, but they don't see me. Can somebody say amen to that? You can pick up a phone call and listen to a person and hear them, but that doesn't mean you see what they're going through. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God heard her and that God sees her. And so many times we feel in distress and we feel depressed like God does not see. But let me encourage you this morning, single mother and parent, that God not only hears you, but he sees you. He sees the distress that you, in, that you are in. He sees the questions that are running through your mind. And he is concerned about every single situation that you are in. And so Hagar says this, man, I discovered a God that not only hears me, he's not ignoring me, but he also sees me. How powerful is that? So she names that well, basically. The God who sees me, he hears me, and he sees me. A cross-ship parent knows that having a healthy relationship with God will result in being a healthy, spiritual, physical, emotional parent to their children. And they keep that in mind, that not only does God hear you, 
but God sees you. And I don't know about you, I've been in situations within my life where I just feel like God will not see me. I've been in situations in my life where people have left me and I feel like God did not hear me. I felt like he was ignoring me, that he wasn't seeing the depression that I was in. He didn't see that the physical pain that I was in because I didn't feel like he was moving at my pace. No, my friend, but what, what begins to happen is when you continue to worship Jesus and you continue to trust in him, he will show, your, he will show you who he really is just like he did with Hagar. He says, I see you and I hear you. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Real quick, it says this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Or she. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. What does that mean? That means, number one, teach your children to connect to God. Do you know that you are a personal trainer as a parent? I am a personal trainer. And what do I do as a personal trainer? What does a personal trainer do? My job is to make the person that I am training stronger. My job as a personal trainer to somebody is to teach them the way to be healthy. That's my job. And the Bible says one, when I begin to teach my children to connect to God, I am training them. Listen, when you are going through the worst situation in your life, and I pray that you don't, but most likely you will. I have to train my children. You have to connect to God. But this, because this is, there's going to be a day where you can't reach me as a father. Well, you can't reach me as a mother, but there is a God in heaven that even though I am not there, he is always listening to your cry. Yes, you have to be there for your children, absolutely. And when they cry, you, you run after them. But my friend, when you begin to teach your children to connect to God, that is the ultimate training. Because we all know in life, people will leave you. And people, people that even say that they love you and they will never leave you. Oh, no, but my friend, God will not. Such a valuable lesson to teach your children. Such a value. We think that children don't even understand prayer. Oh, yes, they do. You don't think a two-year-old or three-year-old or eight-year-old, they might throw a tantrum because they have to pray. They might, they might do whatever they do because you, you, you want to pray with them. No, my friend. But when they get up and they start growing up, they'll begin to remember, man, when I'm in my worst situation, my mother or my father taught me to cry out to you. And you know what will happen most likely is that they will fall on their knees and cry out to God. And they will say, the same God that helped my mother and the same God that helped my father is going to be the same God that helps me. You got to train your children in the way they should go. Number two, train and teach your children to be in the right community. What does that mean? That means we have to train our children that church is a priority. 
No, church is not perfect. Absolutely not. And the reason why it's not perfect is because you're in it. And the reason why it's not perfect is because I'm in it. We're imperfect people. But my friend, when imperfect people come together to worship and learn from an imperfect God or a perfect God, everything changes. When imperfect people learn from a perfect God, everything changes. This is not only a social club, my friend. This is a movement. This is something that is living. The Bible says that this is the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. This is the people that God gives his most attention. This is something that we have to teach our children. We got to teach our children, hey, the people in church are not perfect. But the God they cry out to is. And when you are, 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 are trying to live a life that is according to the word of God, it's not going to be perfect. But it's going to be so much better. So teach your children to connect to God. Teach your children about being in the right community. Teach your children to find their purpose. Can I tell you something? You can go to a seminar and spend $10,000 to try to find your purpose, and hopefully you will. But my friend, the only way you will find your purpose is finding God. And the only children are going to find their purpose is by finding God. We have to teach our children that. We have to teach them that, listen, the passion that's really in your heart, son and daughter, God put that there. What ability that you have, God put that there. You know that personality, personality that you have, even though it's a little sassy, God gave it to you. My daughter, you know, she's a little sassy. You know what I mean? My son, he's very mellow, chill. You know what I mean? God gave him that personality. He could handle. You know why God gave my son the personality of chill? Because he knew that my daughter was going to be in his life. You know, my, my, my wife, she's very chill, patient, right? The reason why is because she knew that she would have me and my daughter. You know? But God has given your children that personality. Do you know that there's some people that the reason, if they wouldn't have that that fiery personality, they wouldn't be able to stand before kings and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's not in their personality. We need people like that. We need people that are not going to be afraid to tell somebody the truth. We need that. We need somebody that has the boldness to share, not care what people say. And we also need the mellow people. Because most of the time, those are the people that are able to love people and listen to people. Number four, teach your children to make a difference. This is the last one. Teach your children to make a difference as they raise up the music. You know, one of the things that while my daughter was growing up, there was a time she was going to daycare and stuff like that. And there was a, an, an asthmatic person well, actually, a child uh, that, that was in the same daycare. And all of a sudden, this child began to have an asthma attack. I mean, he couldn't breathe, and the teacher wasn't paying attention at the time. I think she was busy doing something else with some other kids, and he was like in the corner somewhere, 
is having an asthma attack, and if you know anything about asthma attacks, they could be they could be fatal. Somebody could die. So my daughter saw this. She saw this 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 kid having an asthma attack, and what was so powerful about this is that she noticed that he came in with a machine every morning. Every morning he would come uh, with a machine and, and they would set it aside. And I don't know how she knew, but she knew to grab that machine. And she ran with that machine and began to tap the teacher. And she pointed at the kid while he was almost passing out. And obviously the teacher got the machine and hooked it up to the child and he's still living today. You know, one of the things that our children see me and my wife do is they see us always, not always, but constantly serving people, trying to make a difference in people's lives. My friend, that is so important. That is so important for us to teach our children to make a difference, to use their gifts, to use their intellect. There was one time, you know, I was driving, and, uh, and this was when my son was about three or four years old, and we would, we would always play worship music. In fact, I didn't even know my wife was going to sing this song, To Worship You I Live. You know that song? So we would blast that. When it first came out, it was a super popular song. And so we would blast that in our van, and one time, I think, uh, I think it was a CD, and then I hit a bump and it stopped. The whole song was stop, uh, was stop uh, playing and stuff. But here's in the back, a three-year-old with his hand lifted up, singing the song. He was like, And I'm just driving, and you know, honestly, it's a cute thing. But you know what began to happen? Without the song playing, the presence of God got even stronger in the van. And you know what began to happen? I began to cry because I saw my son being influenced by the lifestyle that me and my wife, worshiping the same God, that we loved. Does it matter? Absolutely. There was another time that uh, normally when I pray, I pray with my Bible in front of me, and now it's my iPad. And I was praying and had worship music on. And one day I wasn't there, but my, 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 my wife, she recorded my daughter. She was about three years old. And she had a book. Because in her mind, she thought the Bible was a book. She picked one of my books out, and there was some worship music playing, and she began to just pray out loud. You couldn't understand what she was doing, but the worship music was going, and she had the book open. She couldn't even read. She didn't know what she was doing, but all she saw and all she remembered was her father in the morning doing that same thing. And when worship music turned on, all she knew was to get a book from a shelf and began to pray over that book. That's all she saw. My friend, will children see you? And when you cry out to God, your children, my friend, will cry out to God as well. I don't know if your children will continue to serve Jesus. I don't know if they'll uh, grow up and go to church. Oh, my friend. But it's, it's our responsibility to train them. It's our responsibility to train your children in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they will not depart from it. What does that mean? They'll remember. They'll remember your 
worship. They'll remember your character when you're going through hell and you still cry out to God. They will remember. You feel lonely, but you still remain faithful to God. So some of you might be saying, well, how do I get started? How do I get started, my friend? You get started by modeling it. That's number one. If you get anything out of this whole message, get this. Model it. Model your imperfections. And when you are imperfect, let them see you repent. Let them see you say, man, I messed up, but I'm going to get right back up and do it again. I am not going to give up on the God that has never given up on me. Because you're going to mess up. Modeling doesn't require perfection. Modeling requires for you that every time you fall, you get right back up and you do it again. Model your prayer life. Model your, yourself reading the Bible. Model yourself coming to the house of God. And I promise you, the Bible says this, if you do this, there's a good chance your children will not depart from it. And I don't know about you, I love Jesus so much that my main priority is for my children to know what I mean when I say I love Jesus. I want them to know that. I want them to know that the same God that when I was paralyzed with a muscle disease, the same God that healed me can heal them. The same God that set somebody free that was addicted to drugs or addicted to whatever is the same God that they could cry out to, not only for them, but for anybody else. Let's all stand this morning. One of the things that I came across while studying for this message is a guy named Billy Graham. And if you don't know who Billy Graham is, he was, he was one of the most influential evangelists and speakers of our time. He would literally go to like stadiums, 80,000, 90,000 people, and they would come to hear him speak. And when he would speak, all he preached about was people giving their lives to Jesus. A great man of God, lived for many, many years. But he, in his biography, he would tell you himself, that the majority of the things that he's learned of being a Christian, he learned it from his mother. He learned it from his mother. And nobody knows her name. I, I actually had to look it up. Her name is Marl Graham. Marl Graham. Nobody knows her name. Everybody in the world knows Billy Graham. And when I say the world, I mean the world. Nobody knows her. Which lets you know that so many times single moms, she wasn't a single mother, but so many times as parents and single moms, we feel like what we're instilling within our children has no significance. You don't know who you're raising. You don't know what your son or your daughter is going to grow up to be. You don't know if one day you'll raise up a Billy Graham and you're going to see your son or your daughter standing in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And one day he's going to say, the reason why I'm here your daughter is going to be singing worship in front of hundreds of thousands of people and she's going to say, the reason why I'm here 
Everything that I have ever learned about God, I learned it from my mother. I learned it from my parents. Billy Graham says this, you know what? My mom taught me, these are six things that Billy Graham learned from his mother. He said, number one, I learned dignity in hard work. This is what his mom says. He says, I was taught that laziness was one of the worst evils and there was, there was dignity and honor in labor. Every time you go to work, every time I go to work, we are teaching our children that. Number two, he says, his mother taught him the power of prayer. He learned that God is a God that can do impossible things. He learned how to spend time in God's word because he saw her do it. He learned marriage is worth fighting for. How many of us have seen that within our lives? I'll be the first one to confess. I, I may have not seen that. Especially growing up in our generation. But my friend, she taught him marriage is worth fighting for. Even the best parents make mistakes. And this is the last thing she taught him, is to finish well. To finish well. If you know anything about Billy Graham, he had no scandals in his life. And that's saying something big when you're talking about today and preachers and stuff like that. But man, finish well. Let's all lift up our hands and just begin to talk to Jesus right now. I want to pray for every single parent this morning. And listen, God is not calling us to be perfect, but He is calling us to be faithful. God is not calling us to do stuff that we have no capability of doing. No, He is telling you, instill what you know. Do what you do. And I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. We can't predict the future. Oh, but man, the word of God says it. When you train your children in my ways, they won't depart from it. So every parent, I want you to just lift up your hands. And even in the audience, just lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. Because we want parents within our church that live a cross shape life. A cross shape parent. We first connect to God and because we connect to God we are able to influence and train our children the right way. So Father right now I pray for every single mother. I pray for every single father. I pray for every single grandparent. I pray for every single parent right now. I pray Lord Jesus God, that they will train their children in the way that they should go. I pray, God, that you would teach them how to pray so that they could teach another generation how to pray. I pray that they will fall in love with your word, God, because without your word, we don't know where to, where to go and we don't know what to do, God. So I pray for a hunger for your word. I pray for a hunger to be a part of the body of Christ, the church. And I pray, God, for patience. God, because it's not easy. It's not easy, especially for single mothers. I pray for single mothers right now, Lord. I pray that your love will begin to fall upon them. I pray, Father God, that you will begin to let them know that you, that, that, that you hear their prayers. 
and that you see them. I thank you, God, that you hear them and you see them. And I pray for strength this morning. I pray for strength this morning. I pray for strength right now. I feel strength coming upon some of you this morning right now. I pray that a love for you, God, would increase dramatically so that as they raise their children, God, that they would instill it within them. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. We're going to go ahead and just leave the music on. We're going to continue uh, with our worship. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and give our tithes and offerings this morning. If this is your first time here, feel free not to, to you don't, don't feel obligated to give, but if you still want to give an offering, you could raise up your hand, or actually you don't have to raise your hand, it's, it's on the seat. Uh, you can also give uh, online. If we could put the giving screen up. You could text GIVE to 833-593-1454. You could put the money in the envelope. And then Chris, at the entrance, he'll be waiting for you on the way out. You could drop it into the bucket. So we're not going to pass it. We're going to wait. Uh, he's just going to stand there at the entrance. Amen. Amen. Also, if you've never filled out a hate card, why don't we put that screen up? You can fill out this card. And the reason for this card is we normally give out a text every week just to kind of remind you of the service and the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, one thing that you can do if you want to invite a friend, you could, you, you could actually send that text, copy and send it to somebody else. And um, that's a good way to evangelize. That's a good way to let people know about um, what's going on at U-Turn. Amen? Amen. Uh, coming up in the first Monday of, uh, of next month, we have what we call Next Steps. Next Steps is our membership class, so if you want to find out more about our vision and our mission and the things that we are called to do within our city, uh, you want to join that class. It's on Monday at 7.30 p.m., and that's going to be completely online, so it's, it's a great experience. You learn a whole bunch about my wife and I and uh, my pastors who sent us here. We have two other locations in Chicago, so amen. Let's all stand this morning, and let's pray for the offering, and... Uh, I pray you guys have an amazing week. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I pray for every single person that is giving this morning. I pray that you will bless. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.